0: Welcome back everybody it's another edition of canada's most interesting and crucial mental performance golf show podcast swing thoughts now in its fourth uh, fantastic year uh, brought to you by taylormade golf taylormade performance labs and of course the all-new sim max and sim max os irons they've got some new irons on the uh, market as well we'll get into that Uh, As always, uh, I'm Humble Howard from The Humble & Fred Show. Uh, Great to be with you on TSN 1150 in Hamilton. And uh, with me is a a mental performance uh, maven and uh, all-around great guy from O'ConnorGolf.ca, the uh, talented and congenial Timothy O'Connor. Hello, sir. Good morning. How are you? Fantastic. What another great opportunity to geek out with one of my best golf buddies, uh, certainly no one, I, I, I think about this. I'm so lucky to have you because, you know, sometimes I start talking about this mental stuff with some of my other golf friends. And they're like, what?
1: <laughs> what? Exactly. what? You, get, you get the eye roll. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, I don't yeah. know
0: what's, you know, is it anything more boring than telling somebody, somebody about your round is telling somebody about your mental process. Exactly. Uh, but uh, I feel great having you with us. And let's get right to our, our, one of our returning guests. We were so lucky when we started. It was one of those great guests to have someone of his stature, experience, his um, acumen. Also, really articulate. Not a lot of professional athletes are able to talk about their sport in uh, such a... Full and uh, deep way as our uh, guest here today from MindTrackGolf.com. That's T-R-A-K, MindTrackGolf.com. Let's say hello to Richard Dick Zokel. Hello, sir, and thank you.
2: Well, h- hello to you, Tim, and you, Howard. Thank you very much. It's been a while since uh, we chatted, uh, particularly on this show. And That's right. It was at the time when I was starting MindTrack, and now we have launched it as of a uh, couple weeks ago.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to get into it in a second. It is really one of the most unique ways for golfers to improve that has really nothing to do, and it was part of our mandate to do this show, a way to improve without worrying about your golfing motion because the world <clears throat> the internet is filled with instagram videos and youtube teachers but this is something different and it's really in our wheelhouse isn't it tim
1: 100 this is this is about that terrain the six inches between your ears and uh i've been really fortunate to know dick since back when he was actually playing on the pga tour yes we're that old <laughs> <laughs> yes we are and one of the constants uh, that Dick and I have talked about through the years has been about how do we manage that landscape between the ears, our emotions, the decisions we make, uh, how we recover, all that type of stuff. So it's really cool, uh, Dick, to see how this has come around to now. It's like uh, you've done you've been a lot of interesting talking about this, and now you've got a product that actually helps people with it
2: yeah well thank you there's um golf is a very we all know anyone who's play who plays golf knows that golf is uh, a very emotional uh, uh, uh thought provoking and and it in our thoughts and our emotions are very sensitive to our performance you know if we get too excited we screw up if we get too down if our thoughts are in the wrong place it's devastating to our game and 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 it's the same thing at the highest level. And, and I know that the industry has been diving into the swing mechanics and the swing techniques for decades and decades. In the last decade, it's been all the physical aspect. All you got to look at is Brooks Kepka's physical ability, but everyone's failing to look at Brooks Kepka's mental capacity. And, and, and there's this big, massive gap. And uh, that mind track is going after, and we believe we're heading into uncontested market space. And it's making a big difference to a lot of players like Taylor Pendrith. And when I created this back in 1999, in my latter part of the years, I started, I had some big aha moments, and uh, it's time to get uh, uh, mind track in the minds of uh, all golfers.
0: You know, I, I did some reading, and uh, you, you sort of beta tested this on yourself. You were still playing on the tour. <laughs> And, and right. let's not, for you people that are a little too young to remember, this is a, a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. You're a high, high-level elite player, uh, certainly in the top 100 in the world in your day. And 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 yet you were curious. You know, you got the moniker Disco Dick because you were okay. always, I think, curious about how the mind affected the physical. Um, exactly. Exactly. Um, physical ability to play the game. So, talk to us a little bit about the genesis of how you tested it on yourself, and then explain to people. Just continue what Mind Track is, how it began, and and then what it what it will how it will work for the average player.
2: Well, you're you're bang on. My rookie year on the PGA Tour, I was always kind of <clears throat> my mind was getting in my way. Like a lot of golfers, I was getting ahead of myself, getting excited. And the first six months on the PGA Tour in 1982, I couldn't make a cut. And I was getting wound up and more wound up, and I knew I was playing well. And then I slapped on this thing called a Walkman in the very first round of the Greater Milwaukee Open, and I shoot 65. I'm I'm leading the tournament, and uh, and all of a sudden, this listening to music and the music on your your station that you open it up with Howard and Tim is that era of music and. It allowed yeah. me. So at that point, I knew that golf was extremely psychological, and I, I dove down that aspect of it. So fast-forwarding into early 90s, I won a couple of times in 92. One of the, my wins was an unofficial win, but it was official money. And then later on in the 90s, I was having some challenges. I was work, Jim Nelford and I were working with a psychologist called Dr. Richard Lennetto from the University of Guelph on biofeedback. And, and Rotella came out with this book called Golf Is Not a Game of Perfect. And yeah. the light bulb went on with a lot of us of being in the past and the present and the future. And in the late nineties I was got into a bad headspace, like a lot of us do. Everyone does, and you become so result oriented. And then, you know, I, I found out that I needed to stop being result-oriented. So I created this system, and, a, and after every round, I'd go back to my hotel room, and I would jot down long-handed every single club, that every shot that I hit, every single club, and then my ability to assess that shot and execute that shot. And I started to get really good at this, and I started to literally learn to detach emotionally from the result. So it, was, it wasn't until the U.S. Open in 2000 at Pebble Beach and, uh, and I'm playing okay, struggling a little bit, but I make the cut and have a poor third round. But on the final round on Sunday, I go out there and I'm going, wow, this is, it's US Open. It's Pebble Beach. It doesn't get any better than this. And I'm starting to grab hold of this thought process and I shoot 30 on the front nine. And, and my caddy says to me, we're walking down the 10th hole. He goes, do you know what you shot? And I said, no, I don't. He says, you shot 30. That's, that's a, it's a U.S. Open record. And I'm sure it's, um, a tighter record at U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach. And the aha moment happened when he told me that, cause usually that's a disruptive thought process that yeah. tells you where you are. Yeah. But the aha moment was, I didn't care after he told me, and I continued to play on. That was the the magic moment, and uh, and that's when when uh, Mind Track really came into um, solidify- solidification.
0: So that that's and I and I love that story. I read it uh, yeah, about maybe. a week ago. But but continue now. So somebody's going. Oh, I'm listening to Dick Sokol. I know who he is. He's a smart guy, talented golfer. What is Mind
2: Track? MindTrack Golf is a mental fitness app and platform for golfers. It's a personal playing performance command center on your phone. And it's a protocol that transforms players' perspective and their perception. It strengthens the golfer's attentional focus, their mindset, <clears throat> so they can optimize their performance. So when you're playing, you, you have to have a very specific protocol If you don't have it, you're going to go down the rabbit hole. You're going to project forward. You're going to collapse. I call it uh, thought shearing. And and you're going to go down the rabbit hole like you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And and if you want to get really good at this, you've got to have a specific protocol. We have this on our app. And this is the thought fitness that you do, the thought exercise you do while you're playing. And you don't deviate from it. Because if you deviate from it, you're going down the rabbit hole. You're going to collapse. So I think what you're talking about, Dick, is, so the rabbit hole is, for your sake of example,
1: I don't get off to a good start in my round, and I'm on the third or fourth hole, and I'm walking to, to my T-ball in the fourth hole, and I'm going, oh, boy, here we go, another yeah. crappy round. Uh, I thought I had it all figured out on the range yesterday. How come it's not happening? You know right. what? Maybe I just suck. Maybe I will well, <laughs> always suck. Is that what you're talking about,
2: the rabbit yeah, hole? Yes, so in- first- that's called, that's right. So it's a reference, right? Call Golf Insanity. So it's repeating, you know, we, everyone understands the term insanity. So Golf Insanity is repeating the same thoughts and expecting a different result. So here's what, let me, let me talk about, let, so we understand what Golf Insanity is. Golf Insanity is projecting forward to a result. It's looking back on a past result. It's giving value to what others think of you and uh, and it's occupying your mind, and I hate to say this because it's the title of your show, is occupying your mind with swing thoughts techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, we <clears throat> is golf yeah. insanity, but you understand
0: we call it swing thoughts as a play on words because our show has nothing to do with golf swings,
2: right? And, and and learning to detach emotionally takes a very specific protocol. So what I do in MindTrack is is we stop using the term um uh, swing and we use execution so there's basically what it comes down to because swing when when you default to the term swing people think of a technique right and and that's that's it takes you down the rabbit hole so what and you can work on your swing all you want with your coach and then you do that on the practice and you separate it from the golf course but when you get on the golf course you use the term executions so, you know, an assessment. There's there's two key performance markers on every single shot you hit. So when you condition yourself to stop think, thinking about the results, you don't get ahead of yourself, put your attentional focus on assessing and executing the shot, then the score becomes a byproduct.
0: Okay, well, why don't you do this? Let's do a little uh, walk mind track walkthrough. Yeah. So all we're on the first hole. Uh I'm going to ask you a question about people sure. listening are generally higher handicap players. And I know a lot of them think, well, this is great if you're a good player. But this can work for any player. So, you're, for a... so let's take an average handicapped person who's got a 13 or 14 handicap. You're on the first hole of your of your round. It's men's night or whatever. And yep. so let's mind track a hole together. Right. Okay. So start us so, off.
2: Okay. So, yeah. Um, there someone's going to tee off in front of you you're going to hit your tee shot say in about 30 seconds okay okay so and you're watching the guy in front of you and and when it comes so you've got to make a decision what club you're going to hit is this a driver is this a three wood for whatever reason so you first have to assess that shot your goal with every single shot is to assess the shot pick the right and that assessment includes you know the distance the lie the wind, how the ball's going to be affected, and you've got to make some type of decision on a shot. So that's the assessment, and then your ability to execute that shot. So if you step on on the first tee and you're, you make, and so after you hit your shot, you grab. your – Go ahead, you want to? No, no, no. So I'm just.
0: This is a sign to Tim. This is, okay, I'm going to so, follow up a question.
2: Okay, gotcha. So <laughs> so then you you enter you. I pull out my app right then. And I enter my evaluation of the assessment and the execution of that shot. Now,
0: Richard, excuse me for interrupting. So do do I do so I've assessed that it's a driver and I've done all I'm going to hit it over uh, there somewhere near the bunker and then I hit it. Then do I do I click into the app right away or do I do it before?
2: I know you do it after the shot, okay, or you do it after the round. If you're if you're on the PGA Tour, you can't pull out your phone, so you you enter uh, all your data entry in a post round examination, okay. But because I don't play in the tour anymore, professional golf, um, I pull it out right then. It takes three seconds, and I enter. There's three evaluations on the app. There's a smiley face that represents excellent there's a happy or a ha- less happy face that's satisfactory and then there's a sad face it says unsatisfactory you have a frowny a lot of
0: golfers will relate to the frowny that's face right. emoji
2: exactly exactly so your cap this is key performance marker data capture the club okay. used and your 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 valuation it doesn't matter if you're a pro or an amateur your valuation of the assessment your valuation of your execution and you go through every single shot of the round And you put in and then at the end of every hole, you attach a shot lost or a shot gained events, you know, whatever they are to each of those shots. So let me let me just say this. So let's say I'm up on the first tee. I make an unsatisfactory execution. My assessment to hit driver is excellent, but my execution was unsatisfactory and that ball goes out of bounds. Okay, then I hit my provisional and that's excellent and I hit it and it's we're, we're playing a par four, four right here okay so then I hit my second shot on the green and I two putt but keep in mind at the end of the hole I then go into the hole summary that happens at every hole and I click the minus button twice on my driver because it attaches a two shot lost event to the execution of my draw, tee shot, which is a driver. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the round, because you do this, and it only takes a few seconds for each shot, your attention is on assessing and executing. And then you get these three reports emailed to you and your coach if you invite your coach on your share list. And you're going to get this beautiful picture of this score, this MindTrack scorecard that's going to accumulate all your shot lost events or lost shot events in the round and shot gained events. And it's going to be, a. it's amazing how many shots you absolutely hemorrhage away. Everyone does that. And the key here is the most important or easiest way to improve your performance is to shore up all those lost shot events you have through a round of golf. Wow. Absolutely. Howard and I have been talking about this for about four or five weeks
1: around, uh, Howard is a, a very experienced tournament player, uh, mm-hmm. And he's been helping me around that. And so much of what we've been talking about is how to take those doubles, the others, out of it. And, and that's really such a key to scoring. But uh, I want to just go on a bit to say, so I remember testing a beta version of this, Dick, uh, mm-hmm. years ago. And, and just so our, our readers can get a better sort of understanding of how it works, I remember being on the fifth hole par three at Blue Springs, mm-hmm. and I assessed that it was a, uh, a six iron. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so that was a shot a hit, and it went to the back of the green and over. So I gave myself a, um, I guess, a smiley face or whatever we were using for the execution. Right. But a dissatisfactory for the assessment because I was wrong, wrong club. But I absolutely just hit that so solid. So the execution was good, but not the assessment. But what right. I really think that's very cool, uh, what you've done here, uh, Dick, is you've now brought in the whole strokes gained thing into it. I think that's really cool because yeah. it's another metric. You know, you Timmy, can- I,
0: I was gonna say I agree with you, Tim. It's almost like a strokes gained for mental performance. Yeah. That that is less complex than the Brody information from the average person. But but also in a in a way that what I love about it, it it detaches you. From, a, from the score on the on the card. Because that right. often is is misleading, is it not?
2: Well, yes, it is. And, and the thing is, if now that you brought up the Brody situation, first of all, they compare tour average to you. Well, I don't think that's proper comparable. No. Is, you know? So what MindTrack <laughs> no. data does is um, is is it creates your own baseline. The second report, which is called the K- KPM trend graph. There's three reports that you get after every round. There's a KPM trend graph. So after you play about three rounds of golf with this and, and enter your data, you're going to create your own baseline standard. So then the next round you play... Your, your, your KPM trend graph is going to measure your today's performance against your baseline standard. Now we've right. got some, some traction here yeah. and, and you're not comparing it. So when I hit a ball out of bounds, it's a two shot lost event. Or if I three putt from 10 feet, that's a one shot lost event. And it could be because I misread it, which is the assessment, or it could be, um, um, how I executed that putt or a combination <clears throat> of both. There's a very important, relationship between assessing and executing that really determines you, me, or Tiger Woods as a golfer. And in any given situation, that's how well you perform.
0: Uh, Back to my original question about a lot of times people hear us talking to experts like you and they go, oh, that's great because you guys are good players or this is only for good players. But I would argue that MindTrackGolf.com, yeah, it would be great for someone like me that wants to excel at a tournament, but I think it would be extra great for a 15 handicap where a lot of those handicap strokes are lost because of poor assessment the wrong club at the wrong time. And I right. think those assessments lead to poor executions. Right. Because right. if he's you're in. trying to, if you're a 15 handicap and you're trying, I get a story later about, I, I, uh, I gave a guy a, a comment the other day around the practice screen. He got mad at me because he's a 15 handicap. He goes, well, I'm going to go practice my flop shot. I said, why don't you not even try and hit a flop shot today? Because right. if you're right. hitting a flop shot from a, uh, uh, uh you've, you've, um, short-sighted yourself you just get it back on the green so i think for the higher handicap player learning to assess you know that the evaluation was a problem right that i put a seven iron in your hand you lay up on
2: a par five your execution is going to improve right right exactly so here's what the app does for the golf coach is these reports get automatically emailed to the user's coach if they put the share list in so this golf coach is looking at this player's, let's say he's a 15 handicap their student's performance and they look at him look at his round performance and they see that they lose all these shots the, ma- the majority of the shots were say around the putting green and it shows that this individual's assessment of which is reading the greens Is way off and he's hemorrhaged about eight shots around the green, which is a very common thing. Well, that golf coach is going to look at it and say, hey, Mac, well, uh, you know, let's scrap our driver lesson tomorrow (laughs) so we can hit the disc, get you the distance. We need to get you more informed and better prepared on how to read those greens because that's where you're hemorrhaging eight shots around. So it allows that coach to assess their performance, not hitting it on the driving range because, you know what, the driving range doesn't matter. It's not that's golf. People, it's not golf. It's, 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 that's where you practice. But you want your key performance marker data on the golf course. And it involves your ability to assess the shot, your ability to execute that shot. And that's the protocol that you have to uh, perform. Dude, I love where you're going with that because
1: uh, that's another thing that Howard and I have talked a lot about uh, in the last couple of years on this show is that golf is what happens on the golf course. Right, right. And the range is, I mean, it's just not golf. You never hit right. you, know, you know 10 perfect seven irons off. You never hit 10 seven irons off a perfect lie. So it's how we react and deal with things. And what I thought was, so it's kind of two things. One is I have a client. Who does a post-round assessment after every round, and he sends me is about ten to twelve is it regulation reports. putts for all that stuff. No, no, it's a kind no, no, of no, more, no, okay. it's more high-level stuff about how he did in certain situations. But I applaud him for that because he's he's developing data. He can mm-hmm. see his behaviors, he sees the patterns, and that to me is the beauty of what you're talking about. Is that this to me, and I actually I would be more prone to do it after the round because dick when i had your beta version i didn't like doing it between holes i found it took me out of the round took me out of the camaraderie but i can see it's
2: very easy to do post round well but, in, in, in to speak on that is i yeah. do it like it takes me three seconds because i'm used to it it's kind of like yeah. any type of coordinated exercise the better you get it the quicker you're doing it and it, it's yeah. not
1: but, but, I, but i think the key point is is, is that um Uh, And it'd be useful for all levels of golfer. You start to build some data... So you can see, just like you mentioned, you know, like, why are you spending all this time hitting
2: right. drivers and five irons? You, you need, need to be working around the green, perhaps. Right. And and did you guys hear how, when I beta tested it with uh, Taylor Pendrith, what it did for him? Did you read that in the yeah. press releases?
0: Yeah, very interesting. Why don't you tell that story? I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, people that are listening to the radio show, we're going to uh, hold uh, Mr. Richard Zockel over and talk about MindTrackGolf.com uh, for a short time when we come back from our first break here. we just Coming up in a couple of minutes. So tell the story of uh, you working with a another high level touring professional and what it did for them.
2: Well, last year in in 2019, we got the beta product and we beta tested through the year. So I gave it to Mike Weir and he was playing on the on the Corn uh, Ferry event and it stabilized his game. He started, you know, he said, "Wow, I, f- I forgot how unaware I was around the green." So it made his level sharpen and it stabilized his game. Then I went to uh, Golf Canada and and sat down with uh, the the, uh, Lawrence Applebaum and asked them that I have a product that I think will very much help um, your young pro squad. Okay,
0: I'll tell you what, I made a mistake, uh, Richard, like we do in life. Uh, We're going to get right into our break now. I apologize. We're 30 seconds away. Uh, come back in a second. I love this. We're going to hear the rest of this story about how uh, this app, MindTrackGolf.com, has helped high-level players. And I promise you, take a look at this because it's going to help you no matter what your handicap is. All right? This is Swing Thoughts uh, brought to you by, as always, TaylorMade Golf. We certainly appreciate their help and support. And we'll come back with Richard Zockel, uh when we return. Get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park, meantime All right, welcome back uh, from the break. It's great to be with you. This is Swing Thoughts on TSN 1150. Let me uh, straighten my headphones here. There we go. I'm Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. Tim O'Connor's here from O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh great to be with you. Uh thanks to our good friends at TaylorMade. Uh they got some new irons uh, that are just sweet. Uh the new 790s, but don't forget the all new SIM and SIM Max fairway uh, uh woods or metal clubs. Experience lower CG and higher launch. Visit taylormadegolf.ca to learn about the V-steel sole and multi-material construction. Uh Richard Zokel's here. The other day I was on a driving range and uh, there was a couple kids there Hitting some balls And one of the kids pulls out a uh, wooden driver I said, excuse me I said, excuse me, son Like the old guy that I am I said, do you mind if I look at that? Because I was intrigued by what it was It was a Stan Leonard Wow A Stan Leonard oh, With the screws in the face of the, It was the size of it was a hybrid And I said, would you mind if I hit it? You know, it's COVID times I didn't want to be rude He said, yeah, go ahead and I got to tell you, I flushed that thing, and it felt—I felt almost uh, emotional. It was nostalgic, you know. It, guys, it came off the face so softly. It went about the—it went about as far as my five iron, but it came off the. <laughs> it go, my seven. The seven ninety five iron is ridiculous, but it was—it was. It was uh, I just wonder when's the last time you would have hit a uh, a wooden headed club. Me, it, I, anybody? Okay, I go
2: You, Dick. You uh, <laughs> yeah, you played on the tour. Yeah, okay. Well, I, 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 I started using a metal wood in 1979. So I was a fir- in college at BYU. There was a very, it was the first tailor made that came out. Yeah. And they wanted to give this golf club to Bobby Clampett. You remember him? Yeah, they called oh, it Pittsburgh yeah. Persimmon. And and he didn't like it, and I loved it. So I used it in the WAC championship and the NCAA championship in 1979. But uh, you're right. Going back to a wooden headed. You know, club is like hitting a, you know a marshmallow. With a <laughs> That's insert. right. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. Loops off the club face. Richard Zoggs here. i wanted to tell you this we
1: wanted to, you to tell us the story. Uh, what happened to Taylor Pendris' game once he right. started using your app.
0: I just want to let yeah, everyone so, know, just just so we know, if you've just joined us, Richard Sokol's here, former uh, PGA Tour winner, longtime Canadian golf uh, voice, very smart guy who's developed something I call called MindTrackGolf.com. Uh, That's M-I-N-D-T-R-A-K-Golf.com. And before the break, Richard was talking about how this app and this philosophy, this system uh, has helped tour players already.
2: So, yeah, so last year, uh, 2019, I was at the Canadian Open in Hamilton, and I met with Jeff Thompson and Lawrence Applebaum and, um, and talked to them and said, I've got this product that we're beta testing. Mike Weir had try, has been trying it and so forth, and I think it would be great to very much improve the, the mental perspective of your young pro squad. So they said, yeah, this is perfect. So the Canadian tour event's going to be in Kelowna is where I live and uh, Gallagher's Canyon. <clears throat> and though, while those guys were there, I brought them over. And Taylor Pendrith, Jared Dutrois, and Hugo Bernard, they had missed the cut in Cologne. I, sat there. I brought them over to Predator Ridge, where I'm working, and had a visit with them. And I said, look, guys, you guys are, you guys are aspiring professionals. You're fantastic. There isn't, there isn't a shot that you can't hit as a professional. But what's going to determine whether you make it or don't make it in professional golf are going to be the thoughts that you run through your mind every single day. And you have to have a very specific protocol because if you don't get on top of this, you're going to go down the rabbit hole. So Taylor and, and these, these guys just – I gave them the, the ability to download the app in our beta test. And then Taylor just went on a tear. He went – after missing the cut and clone, he went T48, T16, third, second, win – and then two weeks later, won again for a second time by eight shots. Wow. And Taylor gave me, he said, yes, absolutely. This got me back to the way I thought when I played my best. And that's the key thing. because if you don't have a proper mindset, your performance is going to probably suffer. And uh, and it's allowed Taylor to get to that next level. And it's the same thing for, it doesn't matter if you're an, an 18 handicap or a PGA Tour player, you're meant, you're only as good as your mental capacity. Yeah, that's, well, that's what we've been only talking
1: about this show for um, four years. <laughs> yes. And so much of it is around also how people are, don't even have the awareness that they're lost in their thought, that they're down the rabbit hole. That's, right. And I think that's where having um, a protocol slash process like MindTrack helps keep you in a, in that state of being focused on on things like your assessment and your execution, which is real stuff, as opposed to your thoughts, which are just all kinds of, usually past-based stuff, and, you know, it's related to ego and all that stuff. We don't have time to go down that that rabbit hole. But I think that you're you're one 100% correct, is, is that people get sabotaged by their thinking, and they're not even aware of how their thoughts self-sabotage them.
2: Right. And so what happens is people... Automatically, if you don't have a proper thought protocol, you default to the result. 100%. And, you know, if you're over, standing over this four foot putt and you're going, I gotta make this putt. I gotta make this putt. Then, you know, you're sabotaging yourself. That's a good word, Tim. You're absolutely right. And, 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 and you're taking yourself out of the equation to actually optimize your chances of doing that. And, and, and people have, if you don't have this protocol, you will go down the rabbit hole. That's what people do, and that's why the mind is so dysfunctional um, across the board to so many golfers. And you you have to get it proper.
0: Well, they're not beta testing this anymore. It's available at MindTrackGolf.com. And it's available can, for free. Free. You can download the app on uh, the, uh, the iTunes store, Apple store. And uh, just want to bring it back full circle to something you said earlier on in this interview. And you know what? I I feel bad because we should have had you back uh sooner than four years because it's always great hearing your perspective and I want to ask you a couple questions about the current state of tour golf but what you said about insanity about the insanity of golf thinking and you know every day there's a bunch of people listening that go out and they're like ah, I shot 87 but I should have shot 81 and my older brother's like they know but it, it's the same for all golfers but if you if you think the answer is in something mechanical that will give you salvation i call it you know like i'll be okay if i can just learn to hit this shot and in actual fact you're already fine and that the way you think as tim just said informs how you execute and this this app will give you a a real visceral sense of rather than a, you made a 6 and that's good or bad I, I made a good assessment. My execution was weak, etc. But it detaches you in a way that will bring you what you're really looking for, which is which is to do
2: better, whatever that well, it, is for you. It brings you. you into the present moment. Right. When, when you're in the present moment, now you can optimize your performance, whether you're an 18 handicap or whether you're Jordan Spieth. And, 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 and it's, it's important to to get on track yeah. if you don't you're off track and you're in trouble
0: and as you said to me he's like well you're just wandering out there not really knowing thinking that oh I need to go you know my older brother loves the game both of my brothers do and he called me about a month ago he goes well I've got to completely overhaul my swing and I said well guess what <laughs> you're 68 and that's not going to happen You know, you're not overhauling, unless you quit your job and get a million dollars and go live with Ledbetter. no one's overhauling a 68-year-old swing. Anyway, what did you want to say, Tammy? It's interesting.
1: Well, uh, Dick, you know, it's always great to have you on the program because you have such a great perspective from your experience and you're a really smart guy. So you mentioned Jordan Spieth. So could he be an example of someone
2: who's gone down the rabbit hole just let yes. you ponder that because of expectations. Uh, you know, yeah. Jordan Spieth came on this massive ascent, remarkable, fantastic, and he got married, and <clears throat> and he's got other businesses on the side, and they take away a little bit from from his ability to perform, and then he doesn't achieve the, his expectations, and then all these things, and the pressure mounts, and he gets ahead of himself. It does. Rory McIlroy is the same way. He talked about at the start of this year. How he's starting to he, had, he started to discover that he, his identity as a person isn't connected to when he plays well or plays poorly. Same thing <clears throat> with Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland, prior to winning the US Open last year at Pebble Beach, he had the lead in the 54-hole lead of a PG tournament seven times. But you know the more he pushed, the, he pushed himself further away. And I was talking to Butchie, Brendan Little, his caddy, and, and that final round at Pebble Beach where he just let it go. He just was, he never got ahead of himself. And he tapped, he, he accidentally stumbled into the present moment and it, and, it, and it allowed him to perform, allowed him to win. And I was talking to Butchie and he's, and he's trying to get back to that state. And I said, you only can get back to that state if you have a specific protocol. If The harder you push for it, the more you're pushing it away. You've got to let it go. Have this protocol, and uh, that's what it does. Well, you know, I've
0: been lucky enough, Tim and I have been both lucky enough to not only have great guests on our show like yourself, but have access to these people uh, as coaches, as players. And, um, you know, it's funny you talk about he stumbled onto this system. And if you don't have some way of... You know, if you don't have a protocol, and I would totally recommend MindTrackGolf.com, dot com. But we we've talked about having a process and having a way to detach from score here now for one hundred and forty plus episodes. And if and I I keep saying this to, you know, if you don't think that the the pathway to better golf is in this learning to play in the present. Then, then you're really like, no, no, no one listening has the time or money to become a scratch golfer. It's just not going to happen for most people. But everybody listening can knock five to six or seven shots off their score tomorrow. If they can, if they can detach from being, I'm a good or I'm bad. I'm just hitting this next shot. Easier, to
2: I'll tell you what. Easier said than done. And your well, app, think you know that that interesting. You're you're absolutely right. <clears throat> this whole easier said than done thing is is critical because you know what? If you get on the right protocol, yes. it is easy.
0: Well, I was going to say your your app is a great way for someone to get into this in a pretty innocuous way, whether you do it after the round or doing during the round, to give you a sense that there's another way. To be and 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 before we let you go, just give us a quick. Uh, you know, when you look at the PGA Tour now, you know this is a famous quote from Bobby Jones about Nicholas. It's a game I don't recognize. Yeah. And I still play with some younger guys. I played with a couple Hmm. of young kids last night. I hit my best drive of the day somewhere out there. I you know, got a good bounce and hit it 280. And this kid I played with, 35-year-old, hit it 45 yards by me. I'm like, all right. And then the kid that won the U.S. Amateur last week, his final shot was a 235-yard four-iron. When you see those numbers, what does a former PGA Tour professional think of that?
2: Well, I mean, I am in that old school camp, and 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 when I, you know, this golf ball that we're using, it doesn't yeah. spin very much, so it go makes it go far. And I would love to see, and I hope the RNA and the USGA and Golf Canada get back and they bifurcate the rules because <clears throat> you got to give every advantage you can to any amateur golfer. But if you play professional golf, I'm a strong believer that there should make this ball spin a minimum rate a lot more than it does right now because that way these mishit shots uh, that technology makes up for Mm -hmm. should be going into the trees and i i I think we need to kind of get a better balance of accuracy and performance rather than just the long ball okay okay i can't help i can't help
1: this do you think that bryson DeChambeau is going to push
2: that forward in terms of the governing bodies pulling in the reins on the ball i do and 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 i want to give all respect to bryson DeChambeau with what he's doing he is playing within the rules 100 he's, he's pushing maxing he's maxing it out and he's performing and it's impressive yeah so <clears throat> we're gonna watch him see what he does in the in the playoffs and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if he can get to number one in the world but you're right tim i do believe that uh the governing body should govern this and uh, and pull it back
0: well if you think about other sports you know uh, other yep. sports that involve balls don't leave it up to the individual players or teams like you don't go into St Louis and play the Cardinals and they have a different ball than you okay. do in Toronto uh i I mean, yeah. For amateur golfers, we need as much distance as we can, sure. and you know, Absolutely. I can. You know, I've hit a couple drives this year at sixty years old. I was playing with another buddy of mine, and I'm like, that must have hit a sprinkler head because I can't hit it that far. Um, Richard, thank you so much for this. God, it's great talking to you, and and uh, what a what a great thing you've done. Mindtrackgolf.com currently available and free. And uh, we can't recommend it enough, my friend.
2: We'll, well, thank you very much. And we're going to be in an Android product next season, so Fantastic. we can ensure you you act, are able to download it too, Howard. So all right, so. my friend. Uh, all the thank best. And stay healthy. I appreciate that. Good to be with you guys. All right, Thanks, Good to see
0: you, man. We're just going to say we like to say end meeting, my friend. End right. meeting. <laughs> There's uh, Richard Zokal. All right. See you later, Nick. You know, I, uh, you're just going to say, well, wait till he goes. Oh, there we go. So uh, here's a great story. You'll love this uh, to what we're talking about. My older brother, just like your brother, has been on the show, my brother David. And uh, he's a big golf uh, nut. Uh, big fan of the show, by the way. Loves the swing thoughts. And uh, he called me up the other day. We're talking about his round. And he said, you know, I, I got uh, I got near a par five the other day. I hit a good drive. And I hit a decent second shot. And I was 40 yards from the green. For my third shot, and then I muffed my shot, and then I dribbled another one. I was on in four, and whatever. And then I three putted and I made a seven. And I said, uh, Here's my question What club did you use for the 38 yard or 40 yard pitch shot? And he said, I used my lob wedge, you know, 58 degree or 60 degree. And I said to him, Well, why did you do that? <laughs> because I said, Did you have anything to go up and over? Yeah. He said, no. And I said, well, you know, Lou Glassman, our dad, used to hit these little sweet nine-iron pitch shots in our backyard and sometimes pitching wedge. These little low ones that went out and then we would catch it. I said, think about it. If there's nothing standing in your way, why can't you take out a seven, an eight, or a nine-iron, which is much easier for a, I think he's a 15 handicap, we'll say. I much easier to use. It dribbles along the ground, and even if you muff it a bit, it'll yeah. get onto the putting surface. Then you can couple a putt, or even if you three putt, then it's a bogey. The reason I use that is the uh, is it the word apocryphal or the archetypal example of how guys lose shots? Archetypal. Because, thank you. You are the writer. I am just a yapper. Because. Even off a tight line, the fairway, for me or you, that lob wedge, it's a tougher shot. You've got to be pretty good with that shot. It brings... percent And so, to what Richard and we've been talking about, taking the lob wedge out heightens your stimulation. Because yep. you know you've got to hit it good. And now you put pressure on yourself subtly, and all things kind of unravel. You take a nine iron, much easier to... You know you're going to hit the ball. Even if you hit it too hard, it'll go to the back of the green. And so, yeah. those are the kind of things I think you and I, uh, that's our wheelhouse. Um, I think, and that's the kind of thing Mind Track and things like it can do for players, because what you can do is you can accept, uh, you start up by going, okay, my assessment of the club was wrong. My execution might have been f- uh, flawed, but the execution is flawed because of the assessment. Right.
1: Well, what I'm, what it connected me to a bunch of things was, is, okay, it has the word mind in the name of it. Yeah. So what it does is it puts, it puts the emphasis where it really needs to be is, is that what are we aware of? And in fact, are we mind so I remember uh, when we had we were so fortunate to have Ellen Langer. Mm-hmm. I mean you're talking about like world expert on mindfulness, not necessarily meditation, mindfulness, but how conscious are we? And she says that' so much of our lives we live by rote. We just do stuff we're not even conscious really of what we're doing. So same thing happens in golf. I'm close to the green. So what I'm going to do? I pull out my 54, 56, whatever, because I'm close to the green, by rote. Whereas what Dick's talking about and what we're talking about is being mindful. So when you truly assess the shot, you go like, well, there's nothing to hit over here. What I need to do is just get the ball rolling forward, get it on the green, and roll it to the hole. And the best chance I can make a solid contact is going to be with like a 9-iron or an 8, not a lob wedge. So when I make mindful decisions and yes. I'm conscious of what I'm doing, I have such a better chance of a good execution – and and where the is you wonderful. know you, you know he uses oh, he,
0: he uses golf insanity you say rabbit hole I call it golf chaos because where the chaos yep. comes for that golfer exactly. in this particular case my brother he hits a bad lob wedge mm-hmm. shot or and it's not just David everyone does this and then you start thinking well I better go practice my lob wedge exactly no that it, it, your lob wedge is fine I told him I said you know. Other than trying to hit a 70-yard full, you know, whatever, lob wedge from the fairway, the only time I use that club is when I need it to go yep. up and over something or the lie dictates it. I said to Absolutely. him, you know, even I said, if that was me and I was 38 yards from the green, unless I was trying to spin something to a back pin, I would hit a wedge. I pitching. My first thought would have been gap wedge, pitching wedge, maybe a 54, depending if it's a fluffy lie. Because I'm not a tour player. And neither are you, and neither is he. So do what you said there about we do things by rote. And then we start thinking, that's why what I loved about Mind Track is if you assess what really was wrong, it wasn't that you drove the ball poorly. There's a perfect example. My brother was in front of a green. Uh, all he had to do was dribble it onto the green and get on in regulation. So going to the range and practicing your driver is useless. But but going and maybe practicing some bump-and-run shots you know, in Scotland they'd have putted that shot. Oh, you know? absolutely!
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, the timing of, of 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 this is very interesting. So last night, my son Sean and I are at uh, Guelph Lakes, and uh, we're just so we hit some balls, and we're around the practice screen. and he's he's working on his chipping, and he's hitting these shots and going. He's he's actually on a hill, and they're going up in the air, and they're landing about eight ten feet short of the hole and stopping. And I said. Uh, Sean, um, you don't need to hit it over anything, do you? I said, well, here, try this. So I put a nine iron in his hand, took the 56 out. Mm-hmm. And now he's starting to hit these shots that they they land on the green about three or four feet on, and they start rolling towards the hole. Does he hit them all perfect length? No. But he gives himself a, a much better chance of hitting the ball solidly and getting it on the green. and giving himself a chance for perhaps it's a one putt or at least
2: a two putt.
0: Um, for four years, you know, we've basically that last interview with Richard Zokol is kind of everything that I yeah. think we believe. I speak for you. I think we believe that you know, you know, handling yourself emotionally. Uh, we've talked a lot about that, but what happened? Just the, w- the the way that putting a a nine iron in your hand versus a lob wedge, what those things do is not only are they easier for your golf, they're easier on your Mental outlook for the day, you Absolutely. Know? because you know I, I I'm gonna for the podcast extra today. We're gonna have you download the show. I mean, we love being on TSM, but there's more to be had here. Tim's gonna talk about uh, your recent club championship experience, which I want to explore. And I'm going to tell you about another round I had where it wasn't a very good score, but I left the golf course feeling really good about how I handled it, because how you handle golf chaos is part of the game. And I can tell you that, you know, for the last time we had Zokal on, I was losing my shit.
1: Oh, that's right. You were in golf hell.
0: Hell, man.
1: That was the worst one. Or the
2: worst.
0: <laughs> that was one of the, that was that's where we came up with that term. Um yeah. and and a lot of people listening I think can relate. You know they men especially go home feeling bad about themselves. We all do. We've all done it, man. Oh, of course. Um there's
1: uh, truly absolutely 100%. I want
0: to. we got 90 seconds here so Tim O'Connor you can uh, find Tim at all kind of places for all kind of things. Uh tell us how we do that.
1: Oconnorgolf.ca go there and got my blog, my webinar to my mo norman book which is interesting there's been uh golf digest has a podcast and uh they put out a very cool one on mo this week that's uh must listening
0: and uh lots of great uh, material uh you can uh, hear my show on funny 820 and of course the uh, most uploaded podcast in podcast history in canada the Humble & Fred Show at HumbleAndFredRadio.com. More with Mr. O'Connor and myself. Uh, thanks to TaylorMade Golf as always, at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. And thanks to the uh, fine folks at Bell uh, for allowing us to broadcast each and every weekend during the golf season, which uh, this weekend is starting to wind down. We'll talk a little bit about that at Swing Thoughts. Uh, Download it on iTunes or go to our Facebook page. And we'll see you on the radio next week.
1: Dixie, you feel all, right.
0: all right, smart guy. Here's our podcast. Extra, extra. So you and the club champion, chap and you did good. Oh, I say, I turn your mic on. There you go. Yeah.
1: yeah. Did you um, do good? I did. I did actually. Yeah. So a um, little context. Um, so this year. Uh, got off to not a great start with my golf and scoring. largely, I just put it. To, I, was, I was taking lessons and focusing on my mechanics. So I went up to the A flight, uh, not the championship flight, and um, you know what? it was really interesting. The first round, as so, you might have to take a golf cart for this story.
0: I'm listening. This is I'm. I feel like Fraser Crane. I'm listening. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Thank you, Doctor. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. Someone is listening. Yes. Um, no. First round, as you and I talked about on this podcast, uh, seemingly ad infinitum the last five or six weeks, which which is just really opened up a new appreciation for how you've used the phrase in the past, playing the game. Uh, I was mainly focused on targets and had a very nice round. Uh, I was six over after 16. Kind of stumbled in a bit for an 80, but that was good enough to lead. And so... The next day, I thought, okay, that's pretty good, that focusing on targets thing, but how do I stop the bad shots? I went, mean, oh, I'll stay connected to the club head. Mm. I'll stay, I'll stay connected to the club head the whole time. Mm. Well, um, so start off pretty well. Third hole um, at Blue Springs, hit uh, my hybrid oh, about a foot behind the ball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how connected were you to the club head there, Timmy? <clears throat>
1: not at all because I was just connected completely to my head yeah. I was just thinking, 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 all you know my keeping my grand strategy going of staying connected and uh, shot you know 89. it was just pretty well disaster. And I realized the next day like I was kind of like, oh my gosh, what happened there? And I, I just realized that in trying to get out of my own way in trying not to try that in fact I tried very hard and it was all about thinking. And I, I had a novel thought. So, of course, I'm on the way to the golf course. I'm thinking, what am I going to commit to today in terms of a plan or a strategy? And I went, how about no plan? How about just play fucking golf? How about just swing and and there's the target and let it go. So on the range, I started to hit balls and I was actually just in the feeling of what my golf swing felt like. So enjoy, let my body enjoy this. And I started to hit the ball. like I was hitting the ball really great. And, and Casey Brandreth, who was standing beside me on the range, goes, Hey, Timmer, you play with that tempo today, and you're going to have a great day. And I did. I shot 80. And I, I got into my head on the 16th hole because uh, I knew, hey, maybe I got a shot here. Um, and I made a double. But the big thing, the takeaway, and as I bring this long story to a merciful conclusion, <laughs> was that um, I just I just played, and I had no grand plan or strategy. It was just make swings and let my body do what it wants to do and knows how to do. And I tell you man, it was one of the easiest rounds of golf I played all year. I wasn't up or down, uh, and except for that little bobble where I was thinking about what could happen. I just, I had a great round of golf and it was really, really fun. End of story.
0: Well, it sounds amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, just for uh, story's sake, though, so where you shot 80, 89, 80, and where did that put you in the club championship? Second. By two shots.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> that, little, that, little, that little double on 16, uh, shall we say, cost me. But, you know, it's okay. I was absolutely fine with it. I left the golf course beaming that I really felt like this was a really this is like a nice little how can a milestone be little? Well,
0: no, but I get it. It it was um, a a breakthrough in terms of seeing the results of, because I'll tell you, being connected to the club head is a great theoretical Fred Shoemaker feeling for the range and that's great. Or, Or being, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with having kind of a, somewhere in the background of your day to be connected to a mechanical, because Fred Shoemaker talks about that, There's nothing wrong with having it. You know, um, you can't have multi you can't be thinking about it over the ball, but it can be kind of a vague something you're aware of and being aware of yep. the clubhead. But what that does when you make that the forefront of your thinking, and people listening will relate because. You know they'll have a backswing thought and a forward and all this stuff, but what it does is it takes you out of playing the game. You know, I use I've been using ping pong as a analogy because you, because it's happening fast, it doesn't allow you time to think about what you're doing. Golf, unfortunately, happens so slowly. What I love about your story, and it was I'm tickled for you, as I was texting you during the weekend, like I'm, you know, buddy. Going from the, I'm going to hit it there, and then I'm going to hit it over there, and then I'm going to... That's what the game is. Yeah. It, and and the problem, and, and Richard called it insanity, and I say chaos, but the problem with most of us is that we just keep thinking the answer, and I say this respectfully, is in turning your torso faster. It's not. No, uh, 100%. It, and that's a great thing to work on, Absolutely. You know, I still have things in my golf swing that I'd like to improve. But when I go to the tee, that's not what I'm trying to improve them. And if I'm not feeling like I had a round last night, it was a weird round. But when I start to feel disconnected from my golf swing, I'm not disconnected from the game. And the game can always travel with you. You know, some days I feel better and you do. We're old men, you know, right now my, my elbow is killing me. And my calf hurts for reasons I can't explain. But but, but the, the thinking can be consistent, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. What, what's So what's really coming home to me, particularly in the last couple of months, is that um, I can know the things I should be doing. I am a golf and performance and life coach and all that good stuff. I know this stuff. I've experienced it in my own golf, in my own life, in my own reading, all this stuff. So how come it doesn't always work out in the, shall we say the execution to use Dick's word? I think it's just, it's my ego and it's my patterns of behavior that I've had through my life that keep dragging me back. And we're going to make the connection here is, so I have a bad second round. So what do I do as a person who lives? I use my. I'm a knowledge worker, as they say. You know, I use, I use my head in my career, so I'm constantly thinking. So it's part of my pattern of thinking my way through life. And I look at books, I research things, I talk to people, and so I analyze the data, formulate a plan, execute the plan. That's not how golf works. Golf is a physical game, and we're using parts of our brain that we, you know space, you know, hitting targets, things like that. But my ego wants to keep me safe. It doesn't want bad things to happen. It doesn't want me to feel emotional pain. It doesn't want me to have any of this stuff. So the part of me, my subconscious, just play the game. My ego says, no, I don't want you to have another 89. So make sure you formulate (laughs) this plan and we'll keep you safe, young boy. But It drags me back. So the work to me is so much. And and it'd be very interesting to uh, have somebody on soon so I can ask some deep intellectual questions. (laughs) Is the ego, that part of us, our thinking conscious mind, that that keeps dragging us back uh, into old patterns, even though we don't want to live out those patterns.
0: Well, I had a long conversation with my older brother who is, uh, you know, Psychologist. He's a management training specialist. He knows, you know, he's smarter than me and the other brother. Get him on for gollys. Well, we have had him on. Yeah, but but my point is, as much as he knows, as much as he knows, he still can't quite make the leap. That's my point. To doing what I keep saying to him is the pathway. I keep telling him. I, I think you know I've been using this phrase: pathway to par, pathway to bogey. Where's the? Nice. How do I get to there from where I am? And uh, and he's resistant, as all golfers are, because you know even people listening now go, yeah, yeah, that's great. You have a golf swing, but if mm-hmm. I, everyone thinks that if they could just hit it better, they'd score better. And I often say this to him and others: Do you want to learn like this guy the other day? And he got a, it was funny because he got a bit irritated at me. I didn't know him. And I sort of was joking with him, but he got a little bit irritated that I said at 15 handicap you shouldn't be trying to even hit a flop shot because I said to him, "What's the? Do you want to learn a flop shot today, or do you want to lower? Do you want to have a lower score?" You know, I'm going to interrupt you right there. Please. You know
1: what? You operate. This sounds haughty or elitist, but you operate at a higher level of consciousness than him around golf. You have a higher golf IQ. Yes. So. He couldn't understand what you're talking about, and
0: I know that. Uh, you know, thank you for that. And because I, I will tell you, my golf uh, IQ is better than my actual handicap. I, I know stuff that I can't, that I'm still struggling with. But one thing, absolutely, my hands up to say, oh, Me okay. too, sir, yeah, like, well, and 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 you, t- well, you of course do. I mean, like. And 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 the eighty nine you shot. If we you know if we were to take it apart, I promise you, there's eight shots in there. There's seven shots in there that have nothing to do with how good a golfer swing guy you are. Because the first moment I saw you set up before I even knew the shanking uh, episode, but before I even <laughs>
1: <laughs> never forget.
0: I'm like rabbit holes. Oh, my God. <laughs> golf insanity. Best best day ever. But the, <laughs> as soon as I saw you set up over a golf ball, I knew you were a good player. And yet it doesn't always show up. And it's yeah. our egos. So my point about my brother is he there's still a resistance. A you know, he has. He was telling me about a hole at his golf course. He always triples it. I go, well, then why don't you tee off with a fucking five iron? <laughs> Just, you know, like, seriously. Because the reason they don't, we don't, is because we, well, I have to do this. I played a practice round on uh, Monday uh, for the uh, Senior Am qualifier I'm playing next Monday. In the first hole, it's Nobleton Lakes. Good little golf course. Haven't played there in years. First hole has a bunker at about 225, another one at about 240, and out of bounds to the right. And uh, after uh, playing the hole, I looked back. I looked back at the hole, and I was doing some laser measuring, and I thought, you know what? First of all, I'm not hitting driver. I'm not hitting three wood. I may not even hit hybrid off the first hole. It's about five thirty or something. I'm going to go. I might even go four iron, hybrid, wedge, nine iron, something because I don't need to. And and I promise you, if I I'll be the only guy teeing off with a hybrid because. It doesn't matter to me if you want to, if you want to see me hit a driver. Let's go to the driving range. But for me personally, my 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 goal is what's the pathway to the lowest score I can make on this hole? Because if that's your if you could adopt that as your uh, mantra, it's my mantra. Then you'll then you'll make decisions that are based on that. Not I'm supposed to hit a lob wedge here because everyone else does.
1: Love it. And, and I'm come right back to what I was saying earlier. That's playing mindfully. Yes, that's not being by rote. That's not. Oh, it's a par five. Reach for your driver. Yep. No, it's it's being in the moment and assessing it. Again, we can make so many cool things uh, that connect here. And as, as we talked about with Dick, so assessing the situation. Do I need to hit driver? Nah. That brings this, this, and this into play. Three wood. Nah. Hybrid, yeah, it gets it because I'm going to be laying up anyways.
0: I'm going to be laying up anyways. So I would say, why do I? Yeah, I was going to say if I say, if you're listening and you you get to a par five, the chances of you hitting it in two are negligible. So what's the point? The point is to try and get as close to the green in regulation as you can. So why don't you just get it in play? And I'll tell you, I have got the ball in play more this year. Uh, then I, I I have had a far fewer way left or way right drives because I'm not trying to hit it as far as I can on every tee anymore. I just yeah. decided this year I wanted to be like one of my favorite senior golfers is a former tour player named Lars Melander. And oh, yeah. Lars is a, a long time guy in Ontario. He just hits it down. Lars, Larry Cooper, all these guys I admire don't hit it as far as I can, but they hit it straighter than I do. And I saw that last year, and I went, "Hmm, maybe if I hit it straighter, I'd be better off." And I'll tell you, Tim, I have way better this, off.
1: This is this is applicable as well to the kids, and that would be for you and I, anyone under thirty-five. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you kidding me?
1: I call forty-year-olds kid. What's up, kid? Yeah. But I played. I played a bunch of rounds, and you know, I coach a university golf team, so these these are players who range in age from a kind of you know. 18, and usually around kind of like 19-20 because yeah. they're second year, third year, and fourth year. They hit the ball a freaking mile, like 330 drives are nothing for yeah. these for these players. But where they make the leap in their game is learning how to score and how to manage their games. and And that's why they're Really good players because they can shoot low scores even when the game's not you know in the slot as they say yeah. because they 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 make aggressive swings to conservative targets and that is you know you and I've talked about this a, a bunch of times if I caddied for this person I've got a bunch of bunch of people I know I have played for this year yeah. played with this year including a guy in a match there's no way this guy should have taken me to this I should have taken him to the seventeenth hole. Like, I'm I agree. Guy <clears throat> taking it out there, he hit. He drove it over a par four, but he's he was he was shooting at um, back pins and just taking them out of the game.
0: I'll tell you right now, if I caddied for you in the second round of the Club Championships, you're not shooting 89. I even, I and I say that because 100%. just to have somebody else to go. Do we need to hit that shot right now? Can we not just find a way to make a bogey? Len, listen, I'm not immune to it. I'll, I want to finish up my part here by <clears throat> just telling you about it last night. <clears throat> Excuse oh, yeah, me. That's right. I was playing with my buddy, Paul Gortner. Uh, just won the club championship at my course. Probably for oh, the ninth. Yeah, probably for the ninth time.
1: Gordano, uh, Gortner's a great a player. player. He's been on
0: the show. Playing that's with my true. buddy, Tim Selfcott, Also club nice. championship. Good, good player. And we were playing with another friend of ours. Also a good player. And uh, it was a weird round for me last night because I started off. I, I, I took a week off, so I'm a little bit rusty. Mm-hmm. And I start off, everything seems to be on full. Like, you know, I hit it there. I hit it there. hit the first three greens in regulation, make three pars. On the fourth hole, I hit a beautiful drive. And I hit it. The It, it was a weird. I made a bad decision. I should have hit the shorter club, but I tried to hit a longer club and cut it. And I pulled it. And I ended up with a 60-foot putt. That broke. I'm not even exaggerating. I it broke so much left to right that just keeping it on the green was an accomplishment. I, it, it should have gone off the green, and I thought I hit a decent putt, but once it broke to the right, it was breaking downhill, and even even the guys were like, "Good putt," and I had 15 feet left for par. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's where my ego, and I didn't didn't think about it till after the round, the self assessment part is at that point it was early in the round and bogey isn't gonna be a big deal but my ego and I and again I didn't think of it at the time I just thought oh I'll, I'll try and sink this putt because that's what you're supposed to do the problem is now remember it it really was severely downhill breaking that's why it went so far past the hole and so if you're a, if you're aware then you don't want to leave this putt above the cup. Yeah. So trying to make par, I hit it two and a half, three feet by. Now I'm downhill again, and nice. I miss that putt, and I make a six. I four putt, and I okay. thought about it after. I thought, you know, if I was really taking my own advice, I would have said, Howard, you know what? Just make the make it so that the it, it can't go past the hole. If it goes in, great par with an option, bogey with an option for par is what I should have been reminding myself. But I didn't. I tried because I'm, a, you know, just a regular guy. I, I ran it to the hole, almost made the putt, but it went by the hole. Bad, bad, bad mistake. Now, that six affected me yeah. for the next few holes. I shot 44 on the front nine last night. I went from being even par And for the next seven holes, I was nine over par, and and I kept trying, but I was just on the wrong minds. I don't know. I wasn't mad. I was. In fact, Tim came up to me at one point. He goes, "I bet you're redlining." I go, "You know, not really. I'm just sort of enjoying the night." I was walking. It was beautiful. I said to myself, "It'll come back, bud. Don't worry." And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, who gives a shit tonight? I'm playing with Paul and Tim and enjoying myself, and that attitude. Eventually I figured it out And I shot under par For the rest of the round And shot 80 So I went 44-36 nice. well, that's, that's not That is that is the sweet part But the, the, rec- the recognition That where it went wrong for me Was in that moment Yep Because if I make bogey there Then I'm going to feel differently On the next tee and the next tee And I kept hitting it good But I just kept hitting it in places At Glencairn That led to more bogeys it just, I yeah. just sort of kept bogeying every hole. And after hitting pretty good shots, like I I pull hooked an iron, couldn't get it up and down. I made a miss to the right, couldn't get it up and down. And it just kept doing that. But it started with the decision that I made to try and make that putt. That was wrong. I should have just cozied it up, tapped it in for bogey. I was out of position. Yeah. And that's it. That's the moral of my story.
1: Yeah, my my dad would say it's like the same as when you're you hit the ball in the woods. You know, you take your lumps, you chip it out. If you try and hit the hero shot, it's going to cost you. So the same way it did. So what I thought was really cool with that is that you know before you told your your story just there, you were saying like if I had have caddied for you. So If you had have had a caddy last night, and the caddy while you were like lining up that putt the caddy would have got might have uh, uh, a really aware caddy would have got what's your intention here buddy yeah and and so i'm gonna make the putt and he goes well you know why don't you just get it close and if it goes in great yes but if you leave yourself with a tap in you got a bogey and let's get out and you can get out of dodge one over and and so the 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 challenge for us is how can we be our own caddy yes and and that's going to get and you know what i think i'm going to immediately when we're done our podcast, I'm gonna see if I can get Ellen Langer back on this show because she's the she's the queen of mindfulness. And I have a sense that she would have a really good way very a lot of interesting things to say about how do we get ourselves in a state where we can be aware of how our ego is pushing us in some ways, but how we can kind of be, shall I say, in a neutral state mm-hmm. so that we can evaluate <coughs> our options In a mindful way to make very good decisions, as opposed to say emotionally driven decisions or decisions that just fall into a loop of of patterning that we're that's that's
0: more for me last night. It wasn't an emotional decision, but somewhere bubbling in me, there's Stan. Uh, Males here. Somewhere inside of me, I thought I must need this putt. If I had a like my buddy Henrik, that's been was on the show. He has a he's my guru. Uh, In turn, and more, and it's funny because in a lot of ways that are very mental, he calls it Howard One, Howard Two. Yes, Howard Two should have said to Howard One, "We don't need, we don't, we don't need a a par here. You're in trouble. You were in trouble, and even though it's on the green." What, what, what Howard too should have said is, okay, if this is, this goes in great, but you can't leave it above the cup. Because I just saw the, like, my putt was from, I don't know if you know, four Scots or four Leithfield. But I, I mean, part of the problem was I was, I hit such a great drive that I was the last person to hit. Everyone else had hit their shots. It was a shitty pin. It's a bad pin on that green, and I should know better. (laughs) I would have been better off hitting a less club short to the right, so I could have just chipped up, maybe made par. But where I hit it was in such a bad spot on the green. Yeah, it was a green regulation, but I because I wasn't thinking about how severe that downslope was, a good caddy for myself would have been, yeah, bud, just don't leave it above the cup. If it goes in fine. If not, you're better off being two feet short. And those are the kind of things... When you got your punch <laughs> you Yeah, hit I'm going to do that
1: thing. I hear it's it's recycling day here in my condo complex, no, that's right. so I just closed yeah. my window. But I
0: will tell you, um, one of the things that's different for me now than it was four years ago with Zilkel and I was going through golf hell, is even though the round was going on, and my friend came over and you know said, "Like that's your redlining," I'm like, "No, dude, that's not me anymore." I I, I had enough awareness that of the day. I, I was like. You know, I was hitting some uncharacteristic shots. No big deal. Golf, it's like, you know, I used to think, and I think a lot of people think that, I used to think, well, I guess I can't golf anymore. I have to overhaul my swing. I forgot how. I just knew that this night didn't, my enjoyment of this night wasn't going to depend on my score. And listen, I'm a one handicap. I shot eight over par on the first nine holes, went to the 10th tee, bogeyed that one again. You know, it was like a, a, it was like a, I kept accruing bogeys for no real good reason. I had 165 to the green. I hit a seven iron. I went to cut it, but I pulled it into a bunker, hit a decent bunker shot, lipped the putt. There's another bogey. I've played 10 holes. I'm nine over par, but I finished the round eight over par because I just kept trying. I just, and I, and I, and I, whether I knew in some part of me that I'd been there before and I, but I wasn't, I was a very emotionally neutral just kind of going all right and uh, you know i eventually a couple putts went in and eventually i sank a long putt for birdie and then i sank another so but the moral of the story is old howard i would have lost my fucking mind yeah. i would have been so embarrassed but i know that paul knows i'm a good golfer i know that tim i beat him and he's you know i i know that and then, so my feeling good about howard doesn't depend on what those guys think of me anymore it really depends on how I feel about the day. And, and that's you, because I was a good person. I was a good um, partner. I was looking for other people's golf balls. I wasn't sulking. I was still joking after my second double, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and, and that buoyancy, I've learned that, that if you are buoyant, you have an opportunity to enjoy the game, the golf, the game at However, you're scoring that day.
1: Yeah that that is, um, yeah that that's so cool. And what what I'm going to connect that with is something I've been talking about with uh, our good friend Dr. Ed Collin. Um, so I've been talking with them back and forth, and what you're talking about is is resilient resiliency for sure, but not living and dying like your identity mm-hmm. is not pegged to how you play and. And so I got a better sense of that through uh, through Ed, and I was talking about my club C and all that stuff, and and uh, so I was telling him about that and how I was just allowing myself to play and what and anyways I I told him the story of the of my club C, and I wrote at the end of it I said Who knew you could play golf without having to have some kind of plan for playing golf? And he wrote back He goes I love that comment, and here's where I, I, I think this is cool for our listeners here I think. Is Ed says it speaks exactly to the kind of mindset that world class golfers inhabit all the time. They may be a light plan in place, but nothing to hold them back from being in the moment and seeing and feeling all that's required to make the appropriate decisions in the heat of the battle. So what I I just think the key takeaway from that is is that we don't our identities are not tied to this, and it doesn't need to be. Hard, hard work, nose to the grindstone. Don't need to have this absolute plan that we're going to execute uh, to the nth of our abilities. It's just we go out and play golf, and kind of whatever happens will happen. And I have a sense that that's the way court, the way Rory McElroy navigates his way around. Now, you know, he'll have good games and he'll have games which it's not so great, and he bounces right back and you know i you know i i expect him to do well in these fedex playoffs because of that mindset
0: well you know a lot of golfers can relate to what i went through last night you know having a decent start to the round and then inexplicably making mm-hmm. a couple of decisions and then getting kind of you know like if you'd seen some of the places i drove the ball for the next 6 or 7 holes they were in very good spots i was on the fairway or just off the fairway and and it probably should have been i don't know like In a a normal round of golf, for me, I'd have been just a couple over par. But I I wasn't. But what I didn't do, and I saw our good friend Nick Tricilio in between the nines. And he said to me, how you doing? I go, well, I'm making a lot of bogeys, coach. uh, But I'm okay. I'm having a great time. And then he saw me after the round. He said, how'd the round finish up? I said, I shot even par on the back nine. Because I gave myself a chance to not mope my way into a, a higher score. Because when I yeah. putted out on the last hole, I made birdie on the last hole. I hit a beautiful... hit the green in two on uh, nine spay. Beautiful 30-footer. Just lipped out for eagle. Tapped in for birdie. And I, I sort of left the course going, you know what, buddy? Like, that was as good as I could do. And I know everyone would love to shoot 80. But, you know, for me, that's a pretty high score. But I didn't care. Because I knew as driving home, like, I never gave up on any shot. And... And learning to grind, as people say, I don't like that word anymore, but learning to do that is a skill. I didn't have it when I met you. I did not have it. I can tell you that was only four years ago. I didn't have it. But I have a sense now that, listen, man, no matter what happens, you're going to be my buddy. I'm going to do the show. Chances are the next round will be better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's just it's it's not less important to me. I love to shoot seventy one last night, but I also have some experience of to draw on that. Sometimes, if eighty nine was the best you could shoot that day, then it's better than ninety.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But it's also um, I had you know again, and people may go. Yeah, yeah. You, what are you selling me here? <laughs> at, at, you know, it, it, the score. Yeah, we can make score important. And you know, most of us who who play this game and are avid, well, complete obsessive golf nerds. <laughs> yeah, we want to score well. Yes, but the game has greater gifts than just the score. Yes, and that's that's just like. You had an you know, exchange with a buddy on the golf course that you laughed so hard your stomach hurt. Yes. Or you just stood there and you're just looking out over the trees or something. You saw some birds and, and you just like for like five seconds, you were gone from the world because you're just transported by the scene in front of you. Golf gives us those gifts as well.
0: Yeah, you know, this one of the care one of the guys in the group last night, I haven't seen since his wedding a couple years ago, young guy, new family, good good player, used to be a member, came back for men's night. And so we were still joking on the front nine like and it's funny because when we when the round was over, he said, "What'd you shoot?" He he was like 75. I said I was 80. I said 44 in the front. He goes, "44." I go, "Yeah, dude." He goes, "I had no idea." And the reason he didn't have an idea is because I wasn't making it an issue for every, everybody yeah, you were
1: in the group. Yeah, you and all that.
0: I, yeah, and, and he said to me after, he goes, you know, I had no idea. He said, because I was hitting it. That's the weird thing about shooting eight over for me is I was still hitting it pretty good. I just, you know, some days, and I know we say this, some days, it, you, you know, you can't be sharp all the time.
1: Exactly, and other people don't freaking
0: care. Don't, oh, that is, that's it. He did they not don't a, care. All he cared about in in essence was and all we really was that we were all still joking with each other
1: and we're having fun. And we're having and we're fun having a good time and and, and and to me it's so much of golf is just the uh, the needling like my so I play in a group at Blue Springs called Pin Seekers yeah and my favorite times are like I love playing obviously but some of the best times are on the range before and you got like eight guys hitting balls and someone says something and everyone breaks up yeah you know or you're having a beer or. A, some kind of beverage afterwards. Uh, I know everyone has different choices. Um,
0: I think we all understood. You could just leave it at beer. We get it. Okay. <laughs> You're having a beer or maybe a cocktail because not everybody drinks. Okay. Or a Coke. Or a Coca-Cola. Um,
1: yeah. And anyways, that to me is is all part of it, is sitting around talking and, you know, how the Leafs coughed up another one or... Whatever. And it's just the banter, because I mean, that's all part of it as well. It's just ha- hanging out, having fun. Because um, I think for a lot of people, that is their escape from, not that we need not that our lives are horrible, but we need time to escape and be with a community of like-minded people. And that's one of the be- beautiful things about hanging out with fellow golf nerds, is you can talk about things like, hmm, I can't
0: get my 5 iron to turn over. Yeah. Well, listen. <laughs> and
1: other really important things.
0: It's one of the blessings of hanging out with you, uh oconnorgolf.ca. I got to get going. I'm going to be playing with our friend uh, friend of the uh Humble and Fred show and friend of swing thoughts, uh Rudra Rishi oh, Maharaj. Um it I'm playing... A- saying that. I love it. I you know, it's just a most lyrical name. Uh, I'm going to play at a golf course I haven't played since before I joined ClubLink. So, uh I wouldn't Oakville is a course called uh, Piper's Heath a very fine little golf course
1: oh yeah
0: yeah Yeah, really good little track and uh, we're going out there so I'm looking forward to that and uh, you are a beautiful uh, human I wish you nothing but the best back at you and uh, Mr. Rudra I haven't seen
1: him well I haven't seen anybody in a long
0: time and uh, you and I and uh, new uh, Ronan our buddy uh, joined uh, Glenn Karen we'll uh, we'll all get together before too long I hope okay absolutely okay peace young man uh, Good show. You're a good show. Cheers. (laughs) Stay with me. I'll see you later, Timmy. Sounds great. Let's just breathe.